Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. So if you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. Also want to give a shout out to Purple PTSD for giving us a chance to post our pod there as well. Be sure to check out Purple PTSD for some great Vikings coverage. With that being said, we're back and a couple noteworthy signings. One maybe a big splash that we actually talked about the last time uh, that we connected and, and another that hadn't heard the name around a whole lot, but here we are and address some pretty important positions of need. So Kyle, maybe we'll start with uh, Zadarius Smith. Um, Thoughts, feelings, where are you at with the signing? Uh, So we talked about him as an option. We all knew there was the connection with um, outside linebacker coach Mike Smith, who was with him in the Packers. Now he's with the Vikings. And then Mike Patton, who's the assistant head coach, was his D coordinator uh, in Green Bay. So obviously people are making these connections. And then obviously he's a scheme fit and a free agent and so people were connecting the dots and it, it was all very plausible and it all made sense and then he went to the ravens apparently backed out came back on the market um and that's when sam and i kind of chimed in and we did our pick one of three stefan gilmore's at area smith jc treader and i said treader and sam were you you leaned gilmore at first or did, did you I, did you go with gilmore in the end i think i went with gilmore in the end based solely on position um, yeah. But I know that you prefaced the Treader pick with the thought that, like, you started with Smith saying, like, this would be a great get. Yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, I'd be enthused about all three coming to Minnesota, right? Uh, even though it's unrealistic. Um, so it's kind of funny that we did that. We included that option. And then we ended up, I ended up going Treader. You ended up kind of leaning Gilmore. But I think both of us at the time would have been enthused about smith and here we are probably both enthused about smith and the three-year 42 million dollar thing really kind of obscured the reality of the contract i mean this year if i'm not mistaken his cap hit is coming in below you know kind of what we would consider to be kind of mid-tier players maybe not even mid-tier i mean his cap hit is below uh garrett bradbury it's below cj ham it's below jordan hicks his so where we are here so we got 3.343 million 3.3 million not even 3.5 so that is a bargain right and so his cap hit for this season uh is very low and part of that is there's a pretty robust incentive package per per game incentive so every game you play you get a pretty robust amount of money um so there's something to be said for that the vikings are bringing this dude in he currently has a really low cap hit that's great. And then part of his deal is going to be actually getting on the field, right? And, and making an impact. And I've speculated in the past about something similar to Neil Hunter, where I think both sides are interested in redoing the deal. Um, Daniel Hunter spoke to the media recently, actually just a couple of days ago, and was there's a few workout videos. He looked really healthy. He was moving great. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, these cardio footwork drills doesn't say much about his pack, which he tore, but it does suggest that he's working out. It doesn't seem like there are too, too many limitations. I assume he's lifting. I assume things are going well. And uh, he sounded really enthused about the season and really enthused about playing with Zedarius Smith. And so the potential with those two, like your ceiling is extremely high, but then your floor is really low. 
And that's part of the concern is that Smith's going to be 30. I think Hunter, now, if I'm not mistaken, you could double check that is 27. He might be already 28. Uh, and they both have these significant injuries. Smith with his back last season required the surgery. And then obviously Hunter with his pec. And then before that with his neck. And so I like the way that Quasey has brought in like legit high-end talent who's a perfect scheme fit in Zedaria Smith. But he did so in a way that financially was it protected the team, right? And then I wonder if he can do something similar with Hunter. Um, do you know, what, what's his age there? Do you have yeah, it? So age is 28. Um, yeah. So, Andres, right. it, so it actually, it sounded like you said Hunter talked to media. It sounded like when you first said, I, I thought you said he talked to you. Uh, like he talked to me. No, like, no, no. I was no, like, wow, that's media. Kyle Raiden, uh, the beat writer. Uh, beat yeah, reporter. no, I, just, I called them up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no, he talked to the media. But... But you, you highlight a really important thing because I think you would say that the biggest fear with Smith would be the injury history. Exactly. And so for you to sign him a contract, bring in a, a high-level player um, to have a, a real low cap hit at this point, like that's just, yeah. like he said, it's it's uh, not even the top 10 on the team. Um, yeah. And then for him to certainly, like you're willing to pay more if he, produces more like i have no of course you are in, yeah in exactly more. and so uh interesting i didn't think about like the hunter restructure in regards to that and it does make sense i understand from a player perspective why they might be a little bit more hesitant especially considering the way the last se- yeah. couple seasons have gone for hunter but um, yeah yeah like yeah. you said like if these two are able to be on the field for all 17 games or at least i think at this point you probably take 15 to 17 um yeah. And uh, maybe they take a couple games off against the Lions. Um, yep. They would uh, not that you can choose when you get injured. Uh, it would be <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would yeah. it would be a huge that would like that would be a very formidable uh, pass rush. I mean, those two are elite, right? When they're healthy, they're both they're both elite players along the edge, and then you partner them with Armand Watts and Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips who I don't think it's fair to say either or any of the three are elite, but all three of them are good. So you get three good defensive tackles. I think that's fair to say. And then two elite edge rushers. And then you're saying, all right, you know, that, that front is looking, you know, really intimidating. Right. And it's going to make you a little bit concerned. I think if you're the offense linebacker, obviously you feel pretty good about Kendricks and Hicks. It's in the back end of things with the secondary, they feel a little more concerned. And so that's where that second, that second signing, I guess, comes into the equation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's good transition here. We got the second signing, which, like, for me, uh, full transparency, wasn't fully aware of it, uh, who was, but but a position of, of need, right? Like, this is something that we talked about. Uh, and yep. uh, also maybe feels good to steal players from the Packers. Uh, maybe, yep. I guess, like, the thing is the Packers didn't sign them, but uh, – yeah. Nice, nice depth piece at a cornerback, at least. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, I believe it was Thomason who's writing Chris Thomason. I saw a tweet where he was saying that the Packers were interested in bringing him back, but then Sullivan opted for a uh, change of scenery. Apparently, in the past, I think in college, he was nominated for some sort of um, academic award. So Thomason was just pointing to his intelligence, high level intelligence. And then obviously you like the fact that he's still only 25. And then he has this history with Mike Patton, obviously with, um, you know, the former defensive coordinator for the Packers. And so that makes it again, you know, a bit of a logical fit. So he's 25. 
He's about 5'11", and he only ran a 4'640". So really, ideally, your corners are running like a 4'4", and you're really happy if they run a 4'3", but that doesn't happen very often. 4'6", you know, you're, you leave a little to be desired in terms of your speed, but a lot of times, you know, highly intelligent guys can play faster than their speed because they process things better. And so hopefully that is the case for Sullivan. Uh, so last season, he actually played a prominent role for, I was going to say for the Vikings, but for the Packers. So he played, oh dear, my math is not uh, not excellent, but easily over 800 snaps, right? And 615 of those snaps, or rather 615 were for passing downs and 674 were in the slot. So he's a slot corner, which is obviously this huge need for the Vikings. And so... To, to my mind, this this is kind of where I'm thinking of this. This one-year deal, I'd be surprised if it was much more than a veteran minimum. Maybe there are some incentives in there uh, to kind of bump it up a little bit, depending on how the season goes, based off playing time, perhaps, or something like that. But you have a 24-year-old dude, or 25-year-old dude, who's pretty damn smart, uh, fits the scheme really well, and is a, you know, a passable player, you know, last, last season, I think he was like 95th overall or something like that in the PFF rankings. Uh, part of what dragged his score down was a really, really poor run defense grade. His, uh, his pass defense was again, not excellent, but still better than that. And so to my mind, this is about raising your floor and creating competition, not about being over the moon, excited that Shannon Sullivan is going to be your starting slot corner. Uh, lately, Trent McDuffie, has been getting mocked to the Vikings a fair bit at 12 and he is a slot corner. And then he's someone who excels in man coverage. And so you wonder if you say to yourself, and obviously I don't think the Vikings would be wise to, um, you know, hitch their wagon to one player right now at this stage. But if they're looking at some of these corner prospects and one or two of them are potentially slot corners, you don't just want to hand this job to a rookie. You want to have to compete, earn it. And if the kid's not ready, then you give it to a vet who can kind of hold down the fort in the meantime. And so this, to me, feels like that kind of move of someone who at, you know, best case, in, in some ways you might say, um, you know, and turn out to be an, a really nice signing, outperform the deal, give you starting quality snaps as a slot corner. Worst case, you know, he's good depth and good competition. And so I'm actually, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, and I, I, I don't imagine it costs the team very much money at all. Um, the only other thought I would have would be that this is, there's just no way to my mind, at least that this is it in terms of free agency spending a corner, like this has to be one of several moves. Right. Right. And, and that's a good transition. Cause like realistically for, um, where the Vikings were at versus where they are now, uh, there's still certainly some space to continue to make moves. And so right yep. now over the cap has them at 11.5. So it doesn't yep. include Sullivan's deal uh, right now, from what I can tell uh, when scanning through uh, also doesn't include though, Adam Thielen's restructure. And so yep. I know uh, Sean Borman, who's, who's been on our show before uh, sent a tweet and you retweeted it and put them at remind me like maybe an estimate of like 14 it's okay so let's say we're at 11.5 right now right and then let's say Sullivan is somewhere close to the minimum so let's put him at about a, a million dollars right so let's bring us down to 10.5 I know Ben Gessling when the restructure news for Adam Thielen came out he estimated it was between five and six 
And I think, you know, Sean Borman has tweeted a little bit about this stuff as well, but I can't quite remember his tweet as, uh, as well as I remember the Gessling tweet. I'm pretty confident Gessling was saying five to six. So let's just go in the low end of that and say Thielen clears five million. So we're at 10.5 right now, five million more with Thielen. So we're sitting at about 15.5 million, which again, if you talk to, you know, and Sam and I talked about this several times, there's all kinds of ways you can create space. You can easily find yourself with an extra 25, 25 to 40 million to actually spend. And, um, you know, I think in the end that proved basically right. You know, here we are still after all these moves having 15.5 million and you still haven't even done anything with Dalvin Cook or Eric Hendricks or CJ Ham or anything like that. So they got, they got some money. Right. And, and they get some ability to spend some stuff. Right. Right. And so we're certainly keeping a, uh, a portion of that for draft picks. Uh, yes. Signing, signing those. So it's, it's not yes. like we're spending all that. Um, but fair to say that there's some room to add a couple players uh, yeah. yet to, yeah. to this roster. And I think, I think you would probably agree that uh, you're not going to necessarily want to leave holes for draft picks to fill, but uh, maybe you can create some competition that allows for if a draft pick doesn't isn't necessarily yeah. ready uh, there that there's um, someone there that can step in. But hopefully, um, maybe you count on a couple couple picks moving into starting positions. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm curious for you, like what what do you see as potentially uh, what they can do with this remaining cap space? Well, what I would say to the, your point there in a sense with the draft draft picks i know spielman obviously spielman's not in charge anymore but in the past he's spoken about how you take kind of a holistic view to the offseason and you identify your needs and you identify areas that need to be addressed and then you evaluate your different methods of player acquisition like how, how can we get talent to address those needs and primarily that comes through free agency and the draft and so if you know that the draft is really strong in one area and it just so happens the free agency doesn't have a lot to offer in that area, then maybe say, okay, we're going to lean more in the draft to fill this need. And so you got to wonder if Quasi is taking a similar approach in a sense, because he's really slow played it on the offensive line and he's really slow played it in the secondary. And so I, I have wondered to myself if he's taken the, you know, that holistic view where he's saying, um, I'm going to slow play it through the second wave of free agency, maybe sign some veteran depth to create competition see how the draft shakes out. If we get the player that we really like, who we really believe could be a day one impact starter, excellent. And then afterwards, and then wave three, kind of through the off season, you know, then then kind of beef it up even further as you're able to and, and go from there with the mix of the players in the roster, who we brought in the draft and those free agents, and then see if you can make a go of it. Um, so that's kind of currently how I'm understanding his approach, but that admittedly is kind of... I think influenced by Rick Spielman and what, what we knew about his approach, because he was in that, in that sense, he could be transparent, even though he was seldom transparent. Uh, so with 15 and a half million and keep in mind too, you really don't want to go into a season with like 10 bucks in cap space or like a few hundred thousand or something like that. Generally speaking, it's nice to have at least a few million because if, and when, or rather when that player goes down, there's always injuries. You know, there are times when you want to bring in that vet, right? That vet for whoever reason was just, you know, still out there, right. And could perhaps offer some quality snaps that spot. And so generally speaking, it's nice to have those, you know, the financial flexibility and it's nice to have uh, obviously the money you need to be able to sign the draft picks. Um, 
and so to me, and you got 15-5, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to spend all 15-5. If they had to create more, they could do so with a couple of their players they already have available to them. Uh, but I, with the way that he structured those deals, I mean, Harrison Phillips doesn't have a big hit. Sterry Smith doesn't have a big hit. Jordan, those guys are all below four, right? So that's very much like kind of like a middle-class contract or cap hit rather in the NFL. And then from there, it's been vet minimum stuff, right? And so I still got my eye on JC Treader. I still would just be so thrilled to see Treader brought aboard. To be able to, when we go back to our game and say, hey, pick one of three, to be able to get two of three, both, both of us would have been over the moon, I think. Yeah, you, uh, stole, you stole my next question. I was going to say, like, for at, at one point, we were like, well, you know what? Maybe we can dream of one of three of these guys. And now yeah. there feels like a very real chance of actually maybe getting to choose two. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. And that's and the thing, and I guess part of the what makes this this deal for Smith, for instance, like if you so pull him up individually and over the cap, and you'll see in his third year, he's got like it's like 21 or 22 million cap hit, but they can clear without consequence 20 million of that. They can cut him, and it only leaves behind like a 1.67 in dead money and clears 20 million. So really you're yeah, it's a three-year 42 million dollar deal, but after two years, you can move on from this dude. With basically no consequence and even in year two you can cut him and i think you only leave behind four maybe five million dead and you clear about 10 yeah so yeah. those kind of it's a larger deal yes but quasi has really left the vikings with some options hasn't he yeah well yeah so yeah cap it this year is three point uh three four then yeah jumps up next year to 14 uh and then yeah. the final year said 21.6 uh but they said like the dead money if you cut him at the end of or like the next off season you get three yep. 3.3 uh next year in the and the 1.6 the year after which is pretty yeah. in, in, inconsequential uh considering yep. the the circumstances that's the thing right like if if and none of us want this right like if if Zaria smith is amazing this year you gladly pay the 14 million next year right but if things are disastrous and just really doesn't work out there's really not a huge financial burden uh with, with that deal right so that that's that's exciting and then you wonder with jc treader you know he's you know cam has done this a few times now where he's had these low cap hits but then also given his team given the vikings flexibility in his next one or two years could he do the same thing with treader where you you have a cap hit of three four million kind of thing and then in that instance you're basically looking at garrett bradbury as maybe a trade chip or perhaps, uh, perhaps just his depth, right? And and to me that would be great. And I, I really don't think you could trade Bradbury before the draft. It's possible that you could. Uh, I imagine you have to wait post draft and then trade him for a sixth or a seventh, and uh, and then go from there. But I mean, we'll see. The the team can make moves. What they really one hundred percent need to do is add at least one more corner, mm-hmm. and and that is like a must you know it, it's basically maybe it doesn't happen before before the draft but they need to bring in another veteran there's just no debating it so we'll see what they end up doing right that that one feels like a non-negotiable and Precisely. then and then you've got a hope for probably another offensive lineman if not two yeah yeah that, that's that's really what you're hoping for right and uh so we'll see i i, I he has surprised us the whole way so yeah so well we'll see 
we I know the last uh last episode feeling relatively uh disappointed I guess at that point uh and I think we knew I, I think I titled the uh the episode something about it being disappointing uh but like yeah. we both talked about how like this is just the start and I can already see uh from what you're describing that there is some growing optimism now after a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's bringing in an elite edge rusher will do that. You know, yeah. it's like si- signing a top pair defenseman in hockey. Like you're just, you're thrilled, right? Like, of, of course I want a top pair defenseman. Of course I want an elite edge rusher. And you're you're worried about the the injury, of course, but how, how can you not be excited about that move? Yeah. Fun times. It's, pretty, it's fun times. A- anything else? For wrap up the uh, Vikings talk, no, I just say stay tuned. Uh, feel free to check out uh, Twitter at Vikings Gazette, that's where I'm at. Follow Sam too if you like, doesn't tweet an awful lot, but he is there. Yeah, and uh, otherwise, you can swing over to purpleptsd.com, that's where I do my work for the most part. I do a little bit of work over Vikings territory these days, and uh, but then heck, I mean, there's all kinds of other writers and they do. They do excellent work. So by all means, feel free to check it out if you're interested in written, written oh. Vikings content. Well, um, are you are you okay if I do a wild update? Yeah, let's let's do a wild update. Let's do it. Let's, we jumped the uh, game with the plugs, but I, I set you up there for it. I didn't, uh, I was uh, unclear, but yeah, I, I just, I know we talked about the trade deadline a couple episodes ago and it's coming yes, on. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like we did pretty good did pretty well so so i know i had pushed for hurdle and i just said if you're going big that's that's the piece you go for he ends up signing an extension eight years uh in uh, san jose which we don't need to talk about san jose that's an interesting move on their part um <laughs> yeah, great right. great player but they've just signed so many big deals and uh felt like a good opportunity for them to really bring in some nice pieces um wild made six deals uh and not all of them were on trade deadline day they had uh, they had four uh, on trade deadline day, and then they had a couple before. Um, overall, feel relatively encouraged. The Nico Sturm for Tyson Jost, like you, you end up spending a little bit more money on a player uh, that's signed for next year, who's probably got a little bit higher of a ceiling. So good move. Uh, maybe gave up a little bit of high pick for Delorier, but you know what? That's fine. Uh, the Jack McBain piece is something that I haven't talked about, but. Uh, a good college player that has decided he's not going to sign with Minnesota. So to get a second round pick for him, considering mm-hmm. usually the market is a third round pick for players like that, I think is a win, especially since you're getting it from, uh, from Arizona. It's, it's the Vancouver's uh, 2022 yeah. second round pick. Um, yeah. So it's nice, but there's, I know there's three, three other deals here. The Mark Andre Fleury deal. Uh, you know what? We talked about it. Second round pick that becomes a conditional first round pick. I, I think you're fine with that. Um, well, I was pushing Sam on a first, and Sam was saying, "No, no, 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 first is too much." I would do. I'd be happy in a second. So maybe he wasn't like 100 percent technically right, but he was pretty much bang on. So I got to feel pretty good about teeing him up with Mark Andre Fleury, and got to feel pretty good about the compensation that he talked about. Yeah. Well, it. Th- this is the challenging piece, and I'll I'll finish off with here. I know the Victor Rass trade is kind of inconsequential, and and really, I think this. Uh, the, the trade with Flurry and the trade with San Jose for Jacob Middleton sending out Capo Kakinen, uh 
really, I think these are two trades that are very linked. And so at the end of the day, the second round pick is like you got it for the Jack McBain trade. It's not necessarily free because you still drafted Jack McBain. He's a, he's going to be potentially a very good player or a, a good player, good NHL player. And so um, regardless, you, you trade for a guy like Flurry, who we talked about, uh, just has this experience. Um, the thing with goalies is that Capo Kakinen could go and perform better than Flurry does for the rest of the season. Yep. Um, yep. you just, you never know, but I, it does seem like Flurry is glad to be in Minnesota. He had this, um, handshake, no trade clause kind of situation with Chicago saying like, I've already moved once. I don't want to move again. Like I need, per- uh, I want you, I, you need my permission before you trade me. Uh, yeah. and he wants to be in Minnesota and there's a chance with, with him and Talbot that could be a really solid uh goaltending duo and, and really that's what you need in, in the playoffs is you need solid goaltending and so they've got two good options i think that they feel good about i'm really curious to see how flurry's used um but uh even to then flip kakinen for jacob middleton who is uh, a player that that kind of came up as, as someone that a lot of teams really would like to add as a as a defensive piece um we talked about maybe they add someone on the left side and and Really, you you were able to do that by flipping Kakanen. So uh, it's one of those things, right? Like they've it's be interesting to see what what happens with this team. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I'll say this: I'm not worried about going up first if you make it to the Western Conference Finals. Exactly, exactly. If he actually is like a driving force behind that, then you say it's worth it. It's worth yeah. it, right? Give give yourself a legit chance. Yeah. And and I think the the last piece to mention with the goaltending is that you do have uh, Jesper Wallstead. He's he's certainly not going to be. Uh, I, I think I don't think he's going to be a factor next year, but he is a very highly touted goaltending prospect. Yes, that that could be here in a couple of years. And so while you might yes. be a little bit hesitant about giving up a Kapokakinen who's shown glimpses, uh, yep. you know that you do have that in the future. And for the next, like we know, the next three years are going to be. Uh, some real dire situations with the cap. So uh, this is the year to go for it. Uh, yep. And I think they, they overall did a pretty good job without giving up too much. Yeah, true enough. I mean, it's exciting times. We'll see what the wild can do. Hopefully they are. Uh, yeah. It'd be fun to make, see this team make a run. Cause I think they've, uh, yeah. they've done a lot of good pieces or a, a lot of good, good things here and, and set themselves up well. Um, so Good. Well, you've already done your plugs. We're uh, <laughs> yeah, ready to go, true. but but certainly yeah. keep checking things out. I know that uh, been doing good writing, and we're, we're kind of you said we're the second wave of this of the free agency, and uh, we're approaching draft. So lots of exciting things to come up. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Take care, everyone, and uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs>